today at all for some reason. I just gotta keep trying. It's not for some reason it's not connected today. So for all those who love to see us on there, I mean to see us on Facebook for some reason it's not connecting today. So um I apologize for that. It's not you know, it's not me. It's the technology. So you hear me, Carol? I hear you loud and clear. Yes, so it's saying connection timed out. So I don't know. I ain't gonna worry about it. So you we'll guys, try again in a few minutes because we know that everybody is trying to hear us. Um, so again, if you can't hear us on our Facebook Live, just um myturnradio.com. Yes, go okay. Myturnradio.com and you'll hear us. Yes, we'll put up the we'll, you know, if you guys have any. Um, questions or so you can just go on our let's connect facebook page or whatsapp and just send us your questions there yes so we have a great show today i am excited about this yes i just love the kids i love the kids and we have our one of our special guests tonight Miss Erica. Rock. Hi, how are you? I'm Hi. Good. I'm good. So in case you didn't know, people out there, tonight's topic is teen mental health. We talk about mental health for everybody else, but we never think about what the teens are going through. Right? Yes. So we decided that we wanted to focus on that this week so we have two guests today which later on our um other guest mr rohan forgy will be joining us a little bit later so erica i know this is your first time on my turn radio don't be nervous we have fun just relax i should have told you to have a drink and relax. <laughs> we roll over here. You honey. somehow think everybody wants to have a drink, huh? Are you just looking for a reason to have up. your drink? Go ahead and drink your drink. Okay. Yeah, drink your drink. <laughs> no, we just have we just having girlfriend talk. We just talk. <laughs> We're not gonna put you out there and badger you. So you're gonna have fun. All right. So don't be nervous. Don't let Carol scare you. Oh my goodness. See now, see now she always throws me under the bus. You know, that's so wrong. See, maybe last week you weren't feeling so well. Maybe I need to bring back that. I'll throw you under the bus so you can go get sick again. I know, right? <laughs> and you'll behave yourself. Oh, my goodness. But Erica, welcome. Thank you. It's so good to be here. Thank you. Yes, we are so glad to have you right here on the Let's Connect radio show. And hopefully when you're done, you can tell everybody about this show and tell everybody how wonderful the show was and stuff like that. And make sure that they come back every Monday and be with us because we're here chatting about different topics. So make sure okay. You and you also come back and, and tell everybody. Okay. Okay. So with that, 
today what we're chatting about um everybody here on my turn radio and i'm gonna say it again if you can't get in with us this week we're so sorry on our facebook live um hop on over to myturnradio.com and check us out um and just shoot your questions in all of our um let's connect um groups that we have and we will address them for you but Erica Rucker is here, and Erica, you are the founder of Warrior Affiliated Incorporated, which is an educational um, personal growth program that helps youth find purpose. And I think that's so relevant because what we're talking about today is teen mental health, right? So we're just going to dive in. And if you could tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about this program that I just mentioned for starters, so we can get into that. Okay. Um, well, basically I'm a teacher. I've been teaching um, in South Florida. This is my 18th year teaching high school. I taught a couple of years in middle school, but I just like the older teens. Um, I can relate to them more, um, but basically it really started with COVID last year. Like I always have mentored kids since I became a teacher, but with COVID, it just was really apparent that a lot of kids were struggling, um, especially because they weren't able to socialize and, and meet others. Yeah. So um, the nonprofit was started to help kids find their purpose, but I've also linked mental health to it. Um, that's probably the primary focus now, because if our kids are not okay mentally, then they're not going to be able, like you have some of the most successful or smartest kids or kids that you think would fit the mold of probably going to some of the top schools and going on, even, you know, probably people who could, like kids that could be athletes, but because they have mental health issues or, and it could be something as simple as just, you know, not knowing their purpose or feeling like they're wasting their time and not knowing what direction to go in. Yeah. And that can lead to like a feeling of helplessness. So um, I just kind of tied in the purpose with mental health and the mental health component. Again, if they're not okay mentally, they can't find their purpose. So it's I don't know true. if that makes any sense, but. Yeah, it does. It makes a lot of sense. Um, and that's why I'm so glad that we're chatting about that today because both Reese and I, we have teens, okay? So we know all too well that what you just said is 100% true. And when we actually promoted this show and told everybody about it, this is what we told everybody, listen, even if you don't have kids, you wanna listen because you may have family members or you know, just, just people that you know who have children that are experiencing some of this. You know, you could, like you just said, Erica, you could have the smartest kid in the world, okay? None of us were prepared for this pandemic thing that just came by and slapped us all in the face. And it's, we're all like scrambling, trying to figure out what this is, how do we maneuver, okay? And how do we deal with this? And it's affecting adults. So if we're also being affected, we cannot forget the kids, you know? And a lot of times, and that's some- hmm? Which I think we did it, but not on purpose, but we're so busy with yes. us that we think that, oh, the kids will be fine. They're not going through this, which, yeah, big mistake. And it's even more so for them because at least, you know, I don't want to say teens are too young to understand because they're not. 
But what I want to say is because adults, we're so busy, we have so much information and we've lived longer, we understand a little bit more um, than teens or even younger children, right? That we just assume that maybe they're not really going through anything. But some of the time, a lot of the times what I've discovered is they don't necessarily understand the ramifications, the importance, they just see everything. And I know personally, I have friends who for their children, it just turned into like, just, just fear, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just fear. And we're forgetting that they're hearing all the stuff on the news, right? They're seeing everything, but if nobody's explaining and parents are not really addressing, then what are they experiencing? How are they processing that? Mm -hmm. Um, if I can add to it, I just also feel like these kids are different because they have the whole world in their hands. You know, they have a computer for a cell phone and their audience, you know, like is in different countries and, you know, they're on the other side of the United States and it just like their peers are no longer just their school because now they have social media. And so like you can have parents who you know, you could do, and I've seen this, you have very involved parents, the stereotypical, you know, maybe even two parent household and they put them in sports and activities and give them tutoring and all this other stuff. But that, that cell phone opens up doors like to different exposure. It's just very hard now to parent. So it really takes the village now with these kids to understand what's going on because you can be the best parent, take parenting classes and everything else. But this generation is very different because they're exposed to so many different things. Yes. Tell me about you know? it. Yeah. You know, and it's so funny because sometimes I do talk as a parent myself, I do talk to others and folks who are even older. And I do find that sometimes the older folks are a little bit disconnected, not because they don't mean well, because they do mean well. But like you said, they don't really understand. There's a disconnect between what the previous generation experienced and what the kids today, like you said, they've got the world in the palm of their hands, okay? Mm -hmm. And they can be sitting here with us and we don't even know, okay, what they're doing or who they're talking to, but they're talking to somebody halfway around the world. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Mm -hmm. so sometimes the there's a disconnect with the older population um the older generation they don't really understand but you hit the nail on the head and they're experiencing this and it's so hard to parent because a lot of times we may feel like you know what and for a minute i was kind of guilty of that too it's like ah if i don't address this with my kid then we're okay you know i'll address it when i feel the time is right or something oh honey uh uh-uh they've already gotten past that because they're telling you yes Okay. They already know about this stuff. They've been talking about it. They've been experiencing, they're talking amongst themselves. And like you just said, Erica, they're talking to somebody else somewhere else. Okay. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I I just kind of wanted to touch on that. And I'm so glad that you touched on that just now, Erica, because a lot of us parents, um, and I don't want parents to feel like they're doing a bad job because if you are a parent and you're doing the best you can, my hat goes off to you because it is rough. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. With teenagers, not, I, I don't know how you, you, I, I have to go back to something. You said you're in the, you've been teaching for 18 years. 
Girl, you look like you're 18 years old. All right. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't going to say it, but I let Reese say it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank yes. you. Every Did you for 18 years? That. Are you kidding me? Like, girl, you look listen, like you're 18. What do you know about that? Listen, I, stress and everything, life will show you. And that's the other thing. Like, you have to have, like, coping skills. And self-care is so important because yeah. these teenagers will stress you out. I got gray hair. Y'all can't see it. But, you know, you just got to take care of yourself. And, you know, I try the best. I don't, you know, but thank you so much. I appreciate it. I do. That's wonderful. Oh, you look I, fabulous. I was surprised when you, you said that. Kudos to you and you and those teenagers. Kudos to the teachers. That's why I sent mine to school. This COVID had shown me, has confirmed that one, I could not be a teacher because they would fire me the first day. <laughs> okay. It was, uh-uh. So kudos to you. And real quick, let me just introduce our other guest, Mr. Rohan Forgy. You're mute. Here we go. Yes. Hi, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I just wanted to acknowledge that you're here. I don't want you to think, yes. of, you know, this is a long, 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 long time friend of mine from, you know, so. Full disclosure, full disclosure. <laughs> yes, we like full disclosure on this yes. show. Absolutely. So welcome to our show, Let's Connect. And uh, telling everybody we're discussing teen mental health. Which yes. I'm so glad you, you decided to join us on our show. Thank and, you. Uh, yes. So as going back to Miss Erica, um, yes, you said you, you had... You have this um, organization with the teens. Mm -hmm. So during the COVID, did they did they come to you or to let you know that you know they're you know going through the stress too, or you recognize signs that maybe you know? Well, I think that um, okay. So as a classroom teacher, I can only speak to that. Um, right now because during COVID we weren't really functioning as an organization but um, online I was able to make connections because I paid attention and I would just say that even as a parent or as an adult I think it's important that we listen and we pay attention to our kids because a lot of times they're crying out for help and it may not be them saying I need help but it could be in behavior you know it could be because they're sleeping it could be because they look sad or disheveled you just really have to pay attention and my kids know they call me petty but I don't care it's my classroom and it's my home so when they come in there I pay attention to their attitude I pay attention to them not being engaged and then I think it's also important to have conversations and the more that I was able to have conversations with my kids last year especially online when like say they weren't turning in work or they weren't um they weren't doing their assignments or they weren't engaging I made it a point to have individual conversations with them to be that's just to check on your mental health to see what's going on. And I think that once the kids notice that you listen and you care, then they'll start coming to you. And I think that's like with any adult, if you make yourself available and you show you care, they will reach out to you, you know, and they will, a lot of them will. And then some of them, they may not, but then you have to pay attention and you have to kind of reel them in. But we just, you know, it's just, that's kind of how I've been able to engage with kids is just by paying attention and then starting the conversation like, Hey, I'm here. What's going on? You know, I've noticed this, you know, right. well, to be honest, I went through it as a parent. 
and I'm saying I'm being open with it because it may help somebody else. People might like, why are you telling your business? It's not that you're telling your business. You're I'm telling it because you can help somebody because maybe there's somebody that's going through it. I I have four kids, three boys, one girl. And I have, you know, every kid have their own character. I, I, I can have a reality show among my family. But this particular son, he sleeps all the time. He's not, you know, to me, he was like, he wasn't very, he wasn't social. He just always sleep. And I'm like, okay, he's like me because I love sleeping. Mm-hmm. But then I saw that it was getting, like he started withdrawing from school. Like even the teachers were calling me and one day he just stopped talking to people like, and he, all, he also had an anger management, anger issue. So he was just getting like, he was just not being himself. But as I said, I have four kids. I'm thinking about like, you know, and they had to call me in the schools to let me know that no, something is really wrong. They went through counseling and he wouldn't talk. He was just, which aggravated me. Like, do you not hear us asking you what's wrong? But you can't even put your frustration out on, you can't be frustrated with them because it's going to make them more frustrated, more, you understand? I didn't know how to deal with it. I was getting nervous back and it was to the point at one time he was actually considering that he wanted to kill himself. And that's when I was like, what? You understand? Like, and we got over that and he came to me later like maybe a year after and he said mom because i always tell him whatever you go always tell my kids whatever you go through talk to me regardless of whatever you can always come to me and he came to me and he told me what during that dark time it was just dark he didn't he didn't he didn't know how to express himself he did not know he did not know how to handle it he said he was hearing things and stuff was going on and i'm like wow like how, as a parent, do you deal with that? Knowing that your, your child is going through it and you can't do anything. What do you do to help them to get out of that funk? And it's not a funk, really, because oh. they're like, oh, they'll get over it or they're looking for attention or it's not that. Right. That is a great point, Reese, that you mentioned. And with that, I think it's an excellent segue for Ron. And Ron, I want to just bring you in real quickly because you are a mental health professional, board certified, everything. So this is a little bit more on the clinical side. Maybe you can talk to us a little bit about your experience because you've been in this industry and treating um, young people as well as, you can tell us what the age ranges are, but you know, I did, I looked at the information for your background on what you do. So you have been very, very experienced in this field and you've been doing this for a long time. So if you can talk to us a little bit about just a little bit about your background for our listeners who are listening right now on the radio, because what I like to do on this show is just let everybody know that we are talking to folks who are the experts in the field. And it's not just our opinions that we're putting out. We're talking to you. We're talking to a teacher who experiences this and we're going to have, um, 
a teen as well on the show to chat with us a little bit. But Rowan, I really want to hear from you right now from some of what Reese just mentioned. If you could speak to that a little bit, like what was her child, her son experiencing? So when I listen to her, I hear this conversation every day. When I listen to the other speaker, her experience in the classroom, I hear these every day. It's amazing how we can all relate the same kind of issues because we experience them on a daily basis. You talk about, let me just go back a little bit to what I do. I'm a psychiatric nurse practitioner. Yes. And for those listeners who are not familiar with um, psychiatric nurse practitioners, we are a step below a psychiatrist. We more or less study the same principles, mental illness, the treatment, and so on. We provide diagnosis, treatment, and including medication and psychotherapy. So that gives you an understanding of where we fit in the whole puzzle. Now, what I experience on a daily basis is the experience that Risa just put forward about her own child. And um, I get these stories every single day. The age range from all over the spectrum younger than teenagers and teenagers included. Um, depressive symptoms, anxiety, um, especially anxiety and depression, rampant among teenage um, children. And it does not discriminate. It doesn't matter the background, financial or otherwise, that this child comes from. And Reese is all right. It can be your own child and you can miss the signs because you think it's your child and it can't happen to you, wrong. And it can be right in your own home and you don't see the sign of somebody else. A teacher may pick it up, a counselor may pick it up, or the child may confide in a friend or somebody else. And as parents, we don't necessarily have a playbook to go by. And we think we know our children, wrong. And we think we know everything that's going on in their life, wrong. That is so true. And another thing, um, he went to a school where two of the kids committed suicide. So it was like, re like uh, um, was it like a month after Erica? I remember the Deerfield. It was like a month. Like it was a trend that, you know, I don't, I, it's not a trend, but that's how it was. So you don't know if these kids are sitting in like, cause you know, they love the challenges and they do all these things. And, you know, it was really, really hard on, on, on him. So I don't know if that what was going on and, but I'm so glad he got out of it, you know, and I was tiptoeing cause I'm like, listen, I don't care what nobody said. He's my child. I'll tiptoe cause you never know what will break them. Put them yep. That is so true. What will break them? Yeah. Can, can I say something really quick? Um, yeah. Yeah, just two points. So I just want to say, um, I think it's as a teacher, one of the most disheartening things that I've seen, and people might get upset with this, but in the minority community, there are so many families that when we come and we tell them that they might need counseling, they don't think their child has mental issues or they don't yeah. want to give them medication. And the services are there and it's free. 
And, you know, it's just, there's a lot of families, there's a lot of kids that can benefit from counseling, but mental health is something that's taboo in minority communities. And yes. it's unfortunate because if they can't function now and they don't get what they need when they become adults, they can't function then. And then the resources are limited or not there. Yes. So I'm I think so glad also- that you touched on that because that's something we, we previously had um, this topic about mental health, but it wasn't for teens. It was for adults. But we did also talk about the fact that there is a stigma, especially in the black and brown communities. There is a stigma attached to mental health issues. And everybody's like, well, my, you know, I'm fine. I don't have any mental health problems or my kid doesn't have mental health problems. My kid is fine. You know, so as, as black and brown folks, we don't want to own up to that, but we need to. And this is the reason that we wanted to talk about this on the show right now, because you have to seek help. And if our children are going through something, just like Reese, what you said, your son came out of it and Rowan, you can speak on this a little bit more for me because you'll know more about this than I do. But if your child is going through something, don't just sit back, right? We know our kids better than anybody. Mm-hmm. So we know when something is different or when the signs are there, just don't ignore it because of that stigma that exists. It's a, very, it's a very complicated issue because like Risa pointed out to you, she has four children and oftentimes parents are especially black and brown people they are overwhelmed with the bills and yes. the poor neighborhood and the bad schools and all these um social issues that impact them and sometimes they do take their eyes off the ball and miss the signs because they're all these different the yeah. Yeah. yeah all these things coming into your atmosphere that you sometimes miss the signs um, but you're right. Um, there is a definite stigma in the minority community when it comes to mental illness. Oh, a madman that. Yes. So people are reluctant to come out and say, you know what? I'm struggling. I'm hearing voices. Who are you going to tell that you're hearing voices? Right away, somebody's going to say, he's crazy. Yep, lock him up. Exactly. And, know- and, and the way mental illness is treated in the minority community is with disdain and and disrespect. Um, we have seen boys throwing rocks at the homeless person in the street. So all these things impact how we feel about the mentally ill and how we react to them, whether we accept them or not. And we don't realize the damage we are doing by having that kind of attitude, talking negatively about the homeless person in the street. Our children hear, hear this. And it creates this atmosphere in our communities where we look at the mental, mentally ill with disdain and it, it perpetuates the stigma. Yeah. You know what is so, I used to walk around and say, oh, my, I'm bipolar, I'm a mad, I don't have no sense. And, and I stopped doing that because it's not fun to me. It, I didn't realize how serious. Plus it's not true. It's also not true that, that you have no sense or whatever because you have mental illness, you have no sense. That's not true either. Right. But, you know, I just didn't realize how serious it was, mm-hmm. and I, you know, so I'm like, I, I stopped saying it because you really have, even with um, Simone, the gymnast, what's her last name? Bias. Bias. She, the other day, she reported, she said that she had mental, she mm-hmm. for mental health, you know, 
um, you know, it, it's just. So I must, I must admit, though, that I'm seeing more and more people coming forward these days. I see the, the teenagers, I see the parents bring them to me every day. So I realize that people are reaching out. I think it's, especially during this pandemic, I think there has been an effort to highlight mental illness. And I think more and more the message is getting around. And even funding for mental illness is a little more accessible these days than a few years ago. So I think I see positive signs in that direction. Well, that's wonderful. You mm -hmm. know, I'm, I'm really happy to hear that because I, I just know that in the past there was all of this stigma, you know, attached to it. Like, you know, oh, you're crazy and nobody wants to be, like we said before, nobody wants to be labeled as crazy. Nobody wants to, to be known as, okay, they have to take medication for something. That means that they are crazy if they have to take medicine for something. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that. And all of our folks who are listening, please know that yes, there are more resources available today. So take advantage of the resources that are available. So one of the things I wanted to, to just touch on real quickly, we know, we talked about this a little bit already, the pandemic we know mm -hmm. has exacerbated this whole issue. Kids who were having issues prior is now even amplified, correct? So from Erica, you know, both you and Rowan, how, how can you say to tell parents what they need to look for or why the pandemic has exacerbated this issue? I mean, I can, I can go first. Okay. It's so, it's nothing that we've ever seen before the pandemic and how people respond to it is also new. For example, I have a client who came to me and said, during the pandemic, she had to do school virtually. Yes. And seeing herself on camera triggered negative feelings that she wanted to kill herself. I mean, imagine this. I mean, this is a real story I'm telling you. This is not something I read somewhere. This is a client telling me this. A simple thing as seeing herself on camera, she didn't like how she looked. Wow. Another told me that she used to hear her parents fight a lot and she would use school as a refuge. refuge. So she'd go to school and be away from that. During the pandemic, she was forced to be in the home with especially the mom and the fighting between her and her mom was just intolerable. Mm. And she suicidal. She returned to school recently, but then there was a fire in the basement. So now she's back to school, back to home doing school virtually. Mm. And of course, the, day, the very day she came to see me, she cut herself. She, I asked her to roll up her sleeve, and she rolled up her sleeve. And there were six or seven lacerations on her arm. Wow. So these are real things happening on a daily basis. Now, I have to admit, it's new to all of us. Um, the pandemic and how we respond to it, our children respond to it and the psychological damage it's doing to all of us. Some people more than others, like I'm highlighting to you. Um, but yes, you have to just keep your ear to the ground and look and listen and don't assume that because she, she likes her privacy and she has a door locked, it's yeah. simply wants her privacy. You also have to check their bodies because oftentimes they're sneaky. 
they're cutting their thighs where you can't see because under their clothes. They're wearing these long sweaters. I never understood the cutters. Like, what is it when they cut themselves? What is it that, that they get out of so, it? So I ask these questions every day, and I'll give you some of the answers that they give. It's a coping mechanism. May not make sense of your brain, you just have to accept it. Or it releases the tension, same thing. I just want to feel something. Wow. It may not make sense of your brain, but th that's what they're saying. How does that make sense? Because they are so, so hurt inside that they want to feel something. They're not necessarily suicidal. Oftentimes the cutters are not suicidal. And some interpret that to mean they are asking for attention. In a way, yes, they're crying for help, but that's not the language they're saying to themselves. Oh, I'm gonna cut my arm because I want my mom to see to, to pay attention to me. Because they're they're hiding it from you. So it's not like they want you to yeah, see. It's not that they're, type of attention they're seeking. No, no, that's not the attention they're seeking, but they are expressing the need for help, for intervention. Yeah. yeah. And you not assume that because you don't see the, the scars, they are not there. Because oftentimes, like I said, they're hiding it and they're very sneaky and they, they know how to manipulate you and me right. for us not to realize what they're doing. But you have to assume that everything is not what it seems. Right. So then when you do notice um, so some of the signs, like mm -hmm. that's one of the signs that you mentioned, like you said, it's not always visible. Mm -hmm. What are some of the other signs? Because once we do tell some of our parents who are listening, mm -hmm. what some of the signs that they need to look for afterwards, I'd like to tell them, well, what do you need to do about this? What can you do about this? Or what should you do about this? So what are some of the signs first? Your irritability is very common. Their mood is just nasty. You say something to them, they snap at you. You may think, oh, maybe smoking something. Not necessarily, even though that is possible as well. What you smoking? Right. But they may not be smoking anything. It's just that the mood is so foul. But is that irritable? A whole attitude, Erica, you deal with them, isn't it? That, don't. Isn't that a thing with, the, with, with these teenagers? Not always, not always, not always. And um, so these are some of the things you will, the changes you will recognize and say, this is not normal. He's usually so sweet, why is he so irritable? Okay, he uses pass you and say hello. He doesn't say hello to the teacher anymore. He just walks by. Exactly. Usual. That's, that's what I was going to say as well. And Erica, that's the question I was going to say to you as well, because you're in school with mm -hmm. these teens all day long. You know, what, these are some of the things, right? Like, I think you were mentioning this before as a teacher and you've seen these kids every day. If normally this kid is sweet, polite, mm -hmm. nice, and then all of a sudden they're snapping at you and they got this yeah. attitude and you're like, wait, who is this kid? Those are some things that you need to pay attention to, right? Yes, I, I think that um, everything that um, Rowan, I'm sorry, I'm hoping I'm saying your name right. Everything he's saying is true. I think that it's just, it's changes in their behavior. Mm -hmm. Things that if it's someone who's irritable, they're like us, you know, like the differences with teens, they're learning how to manage their emotions and cope. 
So when they don't know how to do that, they become snappy and irritable and they withdraw and they put their head down. And so I think it is important, like everything he said with those signs is catching it early and giving them that therapy or whatever they need so they can get through it. Because like he said, the cutting, I know is not a sign for suicide necessarily, the self-harming, because I have one um, student, she likes to flick herself when she's upset, that's self-harming. And she explained to me why she does it. Does but what? when they don't get, she, it's called self-harming. When they cut themselves or they do something <laughs> to her, it's self-harming. Right. And it's a coping mechanism that can eventually develop fingers. into something. Hmm? I'm sorry? Bite their fingers. Yes. It, and it can develop into something. For me as a teacher, when I see stuff like that, I'm like, okay, well, I need to make sure I give her some type of positive coping skill because that can develop into something negative. So right now they may not be so, you know, suicidal, but life throws these kids, you know, adults, even all these hardballs and horrible things. And if they don't know how to cope as adults, it can become something bigger than just flicking yourself or cutting yourself. Absolutely. So when they, do, when they have those changes in behavior, um, and it's harder when I just meet a kid and I don't know how they are, which is why relationships with teens is so important, getting to know your kids. And um, I just want to say one more thing. I know we're still on this, but I think as parents, if I can say anything, um, I think you should also pay attention to the music they listen to, the movies they watch, the people they hang out with, their activities. I think some of these kids, I was just talking to one family and she was, um, suicide affected their family and her child, she feels like was impacted by a movie. And it's like these idolations, and I think it's called idolations or something, but some of them, like some of the rap music that some of these kids listen to is about suicide, if you listen to some of the lyrics. So I think um, when you're talking about the two kids that killed themselves, Reese, at Deerfield, right. um, at that time, it seemed like, because there was another kid that got on the computer and killed himself too. I don't want to say it's a trend, but these kids are led by social media and yeah. some of these things that they're hearing and listening to. So I think that also we need to watch what we expose our kids to. You know what I'm saying? Like you can't protect them 100 percent, but yeah. you really need to get up in your kids business, like in terms of knowing exactly what's going on with them. And I know like families, the people are spread so thin and have so many different responsibilities. But just as a teacher, a lot of these kids in this generation have a lot of freedom. And I'm like, wow, like you can do that. You listen to this. I remember when I was growing up, what what is freedom? You know, but Rowan also, Rowan, <laughs> you hit it on the head before, because as a parent, I know I try to be very vigilant, you know, and watch everything. But the kids, like you said, Rowan, they know how to hide things. Yes. So even though you're up in the business and I had that situation recently, oh, they hide it. Mm -hmm. And you don't necessarily know what's happening till something happens later and you find out you're like, wait a minute, how on earth? I'm like the helicopter mom from you know when. <laughs> how is this happening? So it's not always on the parent that you know, you know, you, you should you have to know everything because you you don't always know. And maybe they didn't start out with the intention of you know hiding something from you necessarily, but that's where it goes. And the children sometimes they're using other devices and they're very clever. Mm -hmm. They're very clever. Right? Very clever. So as parents, I just want some of the other parents to know this is this session here right now is not to say that you're not doing things right, but it's just telling you what more that you need to try, what more that you need to do. And we just have to keep on doing. We just have to do our best. There's no handbook, you know, 
right now and then right now with the pandemic that just knocked out whatever little knowledge we had previously too so but keep at it so ron what are some of the things that some of our parents out there who are listening Mm -hmm. if we see some of these signs or we discovered that maybe our children are listening to things they should not be listening to or if they are talking to friends they shouldn't be talking to or if they're having certain thoughts that they shouldn't be having and we're noticing the changes in behavior what can they do as a parent what should they be doing the first thing I want to say when in responding to that is to say that uh, many times we the parents are the problem. And I don't want this session to end without me reminding us that sometimes we are creating problems for our children. And what I mean by that is many times when these children come to me, the problems they're having stem from the home sexual abuse, physical abuse, verbal abuse, all these things. I don't want us to end the session without addressing that sometimes the environment that we as parents create is not healthy for the children. I speak to adults these days and the things they tell me happen in their teenage years or even earlier. Yeah. Incest. Molestation. Yes. Um, the mom's boyfriend, their father, their own father. And then the mom takes a father's side. Mm-hmm. These are reasons I'm talking about. These things happen on a daily basis. So I don't want us to necessarily look outside of ourselves for the cause of the dysfunction in our teens when sometimes we are the ones creating these dysfunctions. So yeah. there are parents who are listening right now and um, mothers, bring these men into their lives. And these men are not necessarily good for your children, whether you, it's a boy or a girl. And they could do things to your children without you even knowing and threatening your children to not tell you. So you cannot assume that because he's your boyfriend, he's fit to babysit. Not necessarily. True. Wow. So be careful. I just want to reiterate that because mm-hmm. on this show, we like to tell Reese, I don't know if you can try the live again for all of our folks who trying. are trying to get in. Okay. Yeah. But um, for everyone, we like to tell everybody, grab a pen, grab your notebook, because we give out information on this show and all of these things. We want you guys to write it down because everybody's busy. Once you get off this show, you might forget certain things. So pay attention to some of these tips that we are giving you right now. Erica is giving you from the teacher's perspective, from what she is seeing with these children. Rowan is giving you from a board certified uh, professional perspective. So we want you guys to take something away from here. So Take some notes and write this down, what we are talking about today, parents, please, okay? Um, I also kind of um, wanted to talk about, uh, let me see here. There's so much to talk about. There's so much I want to get into. (laughs) Um, Some of the signs, really, the different types of, I think, let me see here. I made made a, a little bit of notes here as I was thinking um, earlier today, but even before I do that, I want to welcome Tyler on our show. Hi, hey, Tyler. Tyler. 
So hey, off, off mute. So Tyler is an amazing teen. He's honor student, all of that. You, you know, brain up to wazoo. He's amazing, an amazing young man. Okay, and I'm gonna give him his props for that. So I asked him to come on to the show with us and give, you know, from a teen's perspective, some of what the teens are actually experiencing today. And I'm so glad he agreed to come on and chat with us because listen, I'm not a teen. Okay. <laughs> so I don't want to just speak for myself, but I do, I know that Rowan, you are here and Erica is here, who's a teacher and you all have tons of experience, but I wanted to hear it from the mouth of a teen. So Tyler, as we were chatting before, can you tell us from your perspective, what are some of the issues you think that teens from you and your peers that you know of that they're experiencing? And Rowan, um, please jump in anytime in Erica. Okay. Um, so there's like, there's quite a lot, but um, I'll just highlight maybe uh, maybe two or three. Um, the first one I was talking to um, Carol about is uh, body dysmorphia. That's something that a lot of teens are uh, facing today. And it's basically a, a mental disorder that makes the person like hyper self-conscious about their own body. Um, and it's a STEM issue to other disorders that include like eating disorders, such as anorexia and bigorexia. And people, you know, usually associate um, body dysmorphia with people who are um, of the trans community but it's really a more universal thing. And um, it's basically when you are um, very self-conscious about your own body and your own outward appearance. So that's the first thing, definitely. You know, yeah, I wanna pause, put a stick of pin in that just for a second, because sometimes as we were talking about as adults, right? We're thinking, ah, you know, what's the big deal about that? Just, hey, I dress and I, if I feel good, then I'm good. You know, not realizing that teens and when i talked with tyler i was like really that's a thing you know with teens they're, they're worried about their bodies and what they really look like i mean i knew it was a thing but i didn't know it was a thing thing like that you know i don't want to sound completely clueless here but i want all the other parents out there or even if you're not parents i just want to bring awareness to this to what tyler is saying so erica and rowan if you can jump in, have you experienced this, Rowan, in your practice every day? Are you experiencing this dealing with any of your patients? Like the one who looks at herself on Zoom and is mortified by what she looks like to the point where she's, so, she's suicidal. Absolutely. And oftentimes, as Tyler was explaining, the, what they see in the mirror is different from what we see. We look at them and think they look perfectly fine, but in their minds, they are too fat, they're too flat, or they're too short, and all these things. And you say, love yourself, accept yourself, easier said than done. And one negative comment by a friend or peer is yep. sometimes enough to trigger that negative perception of themselves. And to the point where they can self-harm if they don't get a therapy early enough to help to rearrange the way they're processing this information, it can lead to detrimental results. Wow. So is that what they call body shaming too? Well, the body shaming is when somebody says something negative about your body. About that you. is body shaming. That's, That's the act of body shaming. Okay. But the, the 
when the person has a whole different perception of what their body looks like, feeling that they look too thin, they look too fat, they look too ugly, whatever it is that they perceive as a negative attribute to themselves to the point where it causes a mood disorder. This is serious. Yes, absolutely. It is a serious thing and not to um, put my kid on blast, but you know, um, there was a point there where she wasn't feeling so amazing, you know? Mm -hmm. And I was like, what are you talking about? You're absolutely beautiful. Are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. I could not understand why she wasn't feeling that way. And I'm like, who? And then I'm upset. I'm like, who's telling you these things? And I couldn't push past pushing that negative thought out of her head. And yep. she just, it's stuck yep. in there like a cement block. And, you know, so other parents, I just want everybody to hear this and know this, this is what they are going through right now. This whole body dysmorphia, what do you say? Dysmorphia, you know, that they are dealing with. Um, it is a real issue. It is a real thing. And they have negative feelings. And perhaps sometimes in like in my kid's case, it could be one bad comment. Yes. Somehow or, it just diminishes every good comment that I've give, ever given her. It could be your pattern of negative comments. You think they're healthy. Oh, um, you're eating too much. Why eat? Just stop. little things like those. And it creates this picture in your minds that you're always um, telling them not to eat so much because they, whatever negative comment you bring from your culture and you use them to the children thinking it's harmless. It's not harmless. Or what is harmless to you is harmful to someone else. And even though you may mean well, you're thinking, oh, you need to eat, eat healthier because it's good for your own longevity. You may have good intention, but the way it comes across is a criticism and thinking negatively of the child and that's the perception the child has. Yeah. Oh, jeez. What, what can we do as parents today? Come on. <laughs> Oh, I wonder if any of the parents are feeling like this. Like, what am I supposed to do? That's why we have Tyler. Tyler can let us know what we need to look for, to, you know, from their point of view. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm so glad that Tyler, you decided to join us today and just tell us a little bit more. And, um, you know, Ron and Erica are going to jump in and, and chat with us too. So you mentioned a couple others, right, Tyler? So let's yeah, chat about yeah. some more. Um, another one that I uh, had come across more recently actually is called BPD and it's actually it's, um, what is it it's how does it go it's, bipolar disorder yeah it's like a it's by bi, like a bipolar disorder yeah and basically kids with uh, these BPD it uh, it makes it hard to maintain uh, social relationships solid social relationships uh, impairs emotional stability and sometimes can even lead to th thoughts about suicide as well. And um, it's a big disorder that is I've seen personally. And, you know, for parents, I, the one thing I will suggest is for parents, you want to love your uh, child no matter what and want to make sure that um, they're not going through this alone because, oh, it was borderline personality disorder. That's it, oh. borderline personality. So borderline they also have frequent mood swings and, um, anger fits as well so that's one of another one uh, 
Let me jump in to, to pick back off what Tyler says. And with a borderline personality disorder, it's very difficult to treat the person with borderline because they can be very manipulative and they take rejection very poorly. Um, everything you say to them, oh, you don't love me anymore, I'm gonna kill myself. And oftentimes, many times they succeed in killing themselves, not because they intended to, but because they wanted to like spite you to show you that your neglect or their, their perception of you neglecting them um, is bad, but it goes too far. Let me give you an example. I was treating this client one time who in the hospital and she has a trach. And I don't know if any of you know what a trach is. Um, a person who sometimes got involved in an accident and is unable to breathe on their own, they sometimes insert the trach in the throat, the windpipe to, to facilitate breathing. So she think had a terrible asthma attack when she was younger and ended with a trach. She was so disruptive on the unit and spiteful that she deliberately pulled the trach out. Wow. And of course, she activated a code. She was unconscious, unresponsive, and then you had to activate a code where the whole um, rapid response team had to come to the unit to resuscitate her. A couple of hours later, she was revived. She was again tearing the whole place apart. So what I'm saying to you is, even though they may harm themselves to the ultimate. They will do whatever they need to do to get whatever result they want. Mm. And guess what? There's no medication for borderline personality disorder. There's no medication. The only treatment there is, is th um, talk therapy. And you have clinicians who are skilled in treating borderline personality disorder. Not every clinician can treat it. It's very complicated, very disruptive to relationships. It's hard, like Tyler said, for them to maintain relationships because they do not view relationships in the healthy way that you and I view it where you give something, I give something, and the relationship is, is beneficial to both people. They're very manipulative and any sign of rejection, like, oh, you call, they call on the phone and you're not able to take the call. And they got, get so upset fly up the handle and I know you don't love me you love this one more than me and all this kind of stuff oh wow and it's very difficult for parents yeah. to understand what's going on but Tyler is right it is very disruptive oh. so you know I did um quickly look at something here for borderline personality disorder and I was just wondering like how it begins and I found something from Paradigm Treatment. It's another treatment center that deals with uh, mental health issues in teens. Uh, and they mentioned that it starts from early trauma and brain chemistry, which are associated with BPD, right? Early trauma <laughs> and brain chemistry. And um, everything that you mentioned, Rowan, a mental illness that's marked by severe emotional dysregulation, um is treated through therapy such as dbt i'm not sure what dbt is but they also did a, a compare and contrast between 
BPD, which is um, borderline personality disorder and bipolar disorder. So mm -hmm. can you tell us a little bit about the distinction between these two disorders? So bipolar disorder, it's not so much relationship based. Um, it's a mood dysregulation where a person um, go between two extremes of mood. Okay. Severe, severe depression or mania, which is on a high. And some people have one of those symptoms dominant over the other. For example, one person can get very depressed most of the time, while another person, their expression is more of the manic type where, for example, inability to sleep, going days with zero sleep, increased energy, they um, racing thoughts, um, promiscuity, um, mm. okay. spending the credit card, maxing out credit cards, excessive spending, all these things, um, irritability, and like I said, very dominant inability to sleep, going days, can go into weeks without sleep. Really? Yes, that's a manic episode. While other people really experience manic episodes, they experience more of the depressive symptoms. Any one of these is enough to get you hospitalized. Being too depressed with suicidal ideation or being manic, inability, unable to sleep, unable to, to slow down, doing a million things, feel grandiose. Grandiosity is one of them where they tell you, I know T.I. T.I. and I went to school. Um, Biggest Mars is my cousin and we all these grandiose ideas. And they really believe this. They it's really not believe just it. that they're lying. They believe no. And and I'm a music producer. Oh, yes. That's a liar to me. No, no, it's a mental disorder. Yeah. It, yeah. Can I is. say something real quick? Um the crazy thing is that the things that you guys are talking about, I've seen in my classroom. Yeah. And then we've had conversations with parents and they're in denial about the issue that their child has. And so listening to him talk about how I think it was the borderline personality disorder mm -hmm. and how the only way to treat it is by getting therapy. Mm -hmm. It's crazy how you have parents who will not get them therapy because of that stigma. Their child needs it to be able mm -hmm. to function. Mm -hmm. You know, the, you know, so that's... um. I just want to say again, I think this is a very, very good conversation because some of us need to recognize it. I mean, we are human and these things happen to our kids. Yes. You know, so, so unlike, like borderline personality disorder, um, bipolar disorder can be treated with medication and therapy. There's no medication that you can give the person with borderline personality that changes the old dynamic. It doesn't work like that. But um, bipolar disorder and other hand, we can give you a medication to get some sleep. We can give you medication that will help with the psychosis, all these delusions about being a famous rapper, being related to Mariah Carey and all these things. Mm -hmm. And antipsychotic medication can change that kind of dynamic. We right. also have medications that can elevate the mood from the depressed mood um, to more of a euthymic mood where you're more at a level. Yeah. Not too low and not too high. And that's where we want to get them. 
So, you know, you know, as Erica, you were talking to, and I'm thinking when you're in school, not just you personally, but teachers in general, you know, and you're, you're in school and you see these kids and you hear them with these delusions of grandeur, or as it says here, mm -hmm. overconfidence, you mm -hmm. know, sometimes you may just think this kid is just such a delinquent, you know, or this kid just comes into school and lies every day. But it's not necessarily that they are lying, as Rowan just mentioned. It could be that they are experiencing bipolar yep. disorder or borderline personality disorder, mm -hmm. you know, which is a real thing. So, again, I am just continuing to drive this point home because I want everyone to keep hearing about this because this is happening. And as Tyler just mentioned, he's in school with peers who are experiencing this? How and serious let me quickly, Carl, that sometimes some of the disorders are triggered by trauma. Yes, that's the other thing I wanted to get into. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Something, so in many cases, not all, because sometimes it's genetically, they're genetically disposed. Mm -hmm. The grandfather, the father, the mom has a mental disorder and the likelihood of that child being having mental illness is also very high. So sometimes they are predisposed just by genetics. Right. But also environment plays a big role. The things that they experience, shootings in their communities, the death of a friend or family, sexual abuse, all these things sometimes traumatize these children. And this is the way the brain snaps, so to speak, uh, in response to trauma. Yes. Yes, I'm so glad that you went into that, Ron, because I wanted to mention that as well. And Tyler, I know you actually mentioned that to me as well about like PTSD, right? Mm -hmm. Isn't that yeah. one that you mentioned? Did mm -hmm. you want to get into that a little and then I'll piggyback off of your comment? Okay. Um, as far as PTSD, PTSD and, um, and trauma really kind of extending both of them is uh, two things that I, again, another thing that I've seen, I've actually seen that a lot more than any of mm -hmm. the other ones. So whether it be cases of previous rape, domestic mm -hmm. abuse, um, basically a mental scar that teens carry on carry on them forever. And that can even affect like how they're doing, you know, at the current moment. I have a couple of friends who um they cannot be in certain situations because it reminds them too much of what happened before. And it's um it's mostly like a trigger type of um disorder. And yeah. So there's that one as well. Oh my goodness. <sighs> so these are the things when these okay. clients come to us now, these are the, the, the things we try to fix to get them back to a more wholesome place. Yeah. Um, to get them to not blame themselves for what happened because a lot of time there's guilt associated with it. Why didn't I die? Why why did it happen to so and so and not me? I should have died instead. That one was a good person. Or why did it happen to me? And they can't sleep because they get these vivid nightmares that further traumatize them. They keep reliving the trauma that they went through. Um, and like I mentioned earlier, many times we, the parents, we create these environments that our children are, are, are having to cope in. Um, sometimes the bad neighborhood, all these shootings and stuff, they have lost friends and family and they still live in these neighborhoods. They still walk these streets. They still see the perpetrators. They, they cannot talk because of the fear of reprisal. All these things, 
the, the perpetrator is in the home still. Imagine that. The person wow. who abused them is still in the home. Yeah. Oh, that's really sad. You know, it's so tough as a parent to listen to what some of our children are experiencing. And the fact that parents, if you are not aware, basically, if we're not aware as parents, we're leaving our children on their own to figure this out by themselves. But you know? Carl, it's good as though, Carl, sometimes parents never find out because yeah. sometimes when, when the adults come to me now and I ask them, did you ever tell your mom? They said, no. No. Why? I don't think she would have believed me. Yeah. I was ashamed. Um, I could give you stories, but there, there, there's no time to go into all these stories that clients tell me every day. The uncle repeatedly, repeatedly would, would rape this child. <sighs> and it's her mother's brother, so she didn't want to tell her because how do you break the family up? Or let's go a step further. A teen who tells me that she told her mom and she believes her mom believes her but the mom didn't kick the father out. The father is still there. And she, the child, considered um, killing the father herself at some point. She's been suicidal. And now she doesn't want the father to go to jail because he's a sole breadwinner. All these things. Oh, oh, so much complexity. How do you deal it, with that on a daily basis? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you have to compartmentalize Right, Rowan. She's saying she doesn't know how you deal with that on a daily basis. You you have to hear all these stories and yeah, not get yeah. emotional burnout. That's what it's called, emotional burnout. Because as one human being relating to another, it's hard to digest this kind of stuff to see how cruel we can be to each other. Wow. And oftentimes. By people who are supposed to love and protect you. These are the people who are most dangerous because the trust that you put in someone as a child, you trust somebody older than you um, to protect and guide you. And instead they violate you. Yeah. It yeah. messes up with the way you see the world. Yeah. That's and you mm. because what is this about me that attracted this, 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 harm yeah so then they what turn about, it inward on themselves yes oh. why did i bring this onto myself it must be me yeah i know erica you wanted to, to make a comment um yeah so <clears throat> we pass our traumas on to our kids mm -hmm. you know when they talk about generational curses <clears throat> and when we talk about the ptsd we you know looking especially at the older generation of minorities particularly you know it's like suck it up you know and you know your experience was hard so sometimes you're not thinking I've been through it myself I've been through it myself deal with it mm -hmm. exactly so then when your kids are telling you how they feel and this is a different they're more sensitive they're more in tune with their emotions and their feelings they're big on respect they want to be heard and they want to be valued and so sometimes that communication a lot of my kids use the word toxic so when they do try to talk to their parents, they feel their parents don't hear or understand them and won't listen to them. And what some kids, I, I forgot what the saying is, but like what some kids consider their trauma, their parents don't look at as trauma because like what he said is their parents have gone through it. 
So it's like this, and then if they don't address those issues and those kids don't get help, they pass it on to their kids. You know, yeah. those generational curses yeah. and things right. that yeah. we look at as normal are not normal because we don't see them. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying, but yeah. it's just, it's, it's a cycle. It's a cycle. It's a cycle. That it's, continues. It's, you know, another one I really want to mention because as I'm hearing this, and we're still kind of talking about PTSD. And I want to mention this because right now it's very relevant to everything that we're seeing on the news and um, on television, et cetera, with PTSD. And as I was reading through, again, I like this site. Um, I saw it on Instagram, this Paradigm Treatment um, Center. They mentioned, and I'm giving them a shout out because I want to, to just say this is not my content. I saw it. I really liked it and I respect it. So I am giving you credit for this Paradigm Treatment. Um, they mentioned that racist experiences, okay, can range from subtle microaggressions at school or even at work, right? Um, from subtle microaggressions to blatant hate crimes and physical assault. So one of the things that they wanted to talk about is like three different types of microaggressions, right? Because these microaggressions can actually trigger that PTSD. And, and Rowan, you can um, come in a little bit um, later on here too. So three of those types of microaggressions that they mentioned, right? Like uh, microassault, one, Tyler, you might have heard this because all the teens in school, and of course, Erica, you know about this as a teacher, um, name calling, right? Using racial slurs, avoiding or discouraging interracial interactions and displaying a swastika or those types of, those are examples of microaggression. Even if they don't say anything, but they got this swastika on or whatever they're doing. It's clear. Yes. Yes. And that triggers PTSD. Right now we see all this stuff. We, you know, we saw it in the news. We were hearing about all these Karens going on, the name that they branded, all of this stuff. It's triggering, you know, whether we realize it or not, this is something. So I'm talking now to all of our adults who may not have thought of this. Our children are hearing this and it is triggering them in one way, shape or another. Go ahead, Rowan. And, and we as parents, we want the best for our children. And we sometimes move them from one community, one school to another, because we think that school offers more benefits. Yeah. And sometimes our children are the minority in that school. Yeah. And they experience racism on a daily basis. And because we have this big picture view in our minds where, oh, if you go to the school, you'll do well, you'll get scholarships and all these things that the school offers. And we fail to see that it's a daily struggle for our child because they are being subjected to these racist comments and images every single day. And it's very difficult because at their age, they do not yet have the coping skills that we as adults learn to have. They are just trying to navigate the world and our teenage years for themselves. So they do not yet have the skills to cope with all this kind of stuff. So true. And to that point, like you said, micro insults, right? 
you know, uh, Tyler, as a teen, sometimes I know you hear this in the hallways in school and stuff like that. These micro insults, it may not be big, blatant, nasty mm-hmm. insults, mm-hmm. but these are these little insults like, um, uh, maybe some name calling, maybe, um, but it belittles the victim through these racial slights, you know, just these slight comments that actually belittles someone, a person of color or, or otherwise, but micro insults, right? Another one that I really want, also want to touch on is micro invalidations, right? So these are the three micro invalidations and really kind of what that means. Maybe it's not for specifically like African-Americans, et cetera, but let's say the example that was given is let's say for like Asian-Americans, right? Mm-hmm. When you, you encounter like an Asian-American and you say, well, where are you from? You know, that's like, wait a minute, you're invalidating that this person is American. Or has a right to be. Or has a right to be American. And we're hearing that in the news a lot right now. You know, so that is micro invalidations, these comments and these behaviors, you know, that invalidates these people's thoughts or their feelings or their experiences in life. You know, Mm -hmm. you're asking them, where are you really from? What do you mean, where am I really from? I'm from New York. I'm from the Bronx. You know, what do you mean where I'm from? You know, I'm from here just like you, you know, so That's you're invalidating their rights. Any comments on that before I move on, though? I just wanted to touch on these three because I saw it and I thought it was so interesting to say that actually triggers PTSD. And for, you know, parents, for our kids, we don't always, we're not always thinking about that, but they're experiencing this and they're probably experiencing it in the hallways in school you know, or hearing someone saying something. Even if your child is not a victim, it is possible that your child could be the aggressor as well. Yes. So we need to communicate to our children in the home in such a way that we are more accepting of people who are different from us. And because we're a minority doesn't mean we cannot be the aggressors. We can be. And there are situations in some of our schools where we outnumber another ethnic group. And we can subject them to the same kind of insults that we have been accustomed to. So glad you said that. So glad you said that. And for me, even for years when I was younger, not, you know, maybe not very, very young, but for years, I heard little comments like this. I don't know if Tyler, you've ever experienced this, but me being a a dark skinned black woman, you know, I've heard, hey, smile so I can see you. And people think it's funny. It's a joke. Ha, ha, ha. Smile so I can see you. Those are little comments that are demeaning people. It is. It is. You know? And you're a teen. As As a young person, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with that? Yeah. You know, how do you deal with stuff like that? You're dark skinned and that's a triggering type of joke or comment that somebody else might think is funny it's an insult you know to say something like that so we just want to be more aware and let people know you're triggering somebody's ptsd in using those comments and i know we're talking about teens but even for me as for many years i worked in corporate america and a lot of times you know you know, I'd walk into the room into a meeting or something and folks, just because you are the, the, the dark skinned black lady doesn't mean that I am automatically the angry black woman. Or sometimes, you know, if you speak 
a little louder or you are a little excited and you know like I'm assertive so sometimes I'll say something assertively and all of a sudden oh don't get upset no I'm not upset <laughs> I'm just expressing just like everyone else is expressing about a particular project or something it doesn't mean I'm angry but again, those are microaggressions, believe it or not. And it is triggering for mm -hmm. others. So many things and it can trigger other people. Can okay. I say something really quick? Yes. Um, I just wanna bring up another point because you said, um, how do teens deal with stuff like that? So I don't know if you guys saw the situation with the kid. I don't know if it's okay to say a school name. Can I say a school name? I think I already said one, but um. There was a situation. Yeah, but not a child's name, just the, no, not it's not a child's name, but it's referring to a situation where a student brought a gun to school in Broward County and was arrested. He was African American, and then in Texas, a couple, I think it was two months ago, the boy who brought to school and shot those kids up in Texas. So, both boys used the word bullying, and I think that one thing as a teacher I've noticed is that a lot of minority boys, especially, don't use the word bullying. And um, you see some of these kids and they look big and tough and this and that. And a lot of the boys, I see a lot of the, it's like aggression, even with some of our girls. It's like, who is the loudest one or who is the strongest one? And some of them are very, very angry and they play around a lot and they might name, call and pick, but that stuff, it hurts them. So just as a teacher, when I saw the boys, they both brought guns to school and one was, you know, had, he shot up the school in Texas and he was saying, I'm tired of kids bullying me. And the same thing with the kid in, um, and I'm gonna say South Florida, I just find it's just crazy how we stereotype what bullying is. You never really mm -hmm. hear that word in the minority community with especially high school kids. Um, but, and then it's usually not a gun, but they're fighting a lot. A lot of these fights are stemming from name calling and picking on each other and stuff like that. So that self-esteem issue, when we talk about girls and you know what's pretty and what's not, and they have all this, a lot of it, I think, is self-esteem and then how they treat each other and then it turns into anger. And unfortunately, some of them, you know, it's gotten to the point where the kids brought guns to school. But I think that coping skills and like you said, how they deal with those things is very, very important. Um, I don't know. I just want to bring that up because that's no. something recently in the news. And you would have never thought those two boys would have done it stereotypically, yeah. but they did. Yep. That's interesting that you mentioned that because boys may not necessarily be naming it or calling it bullying, but they are really being bullied, but it's how yeah. they mm -hmm. respond to the bullying. With mm -hmm. violence. They were as weak, saying somebody's bullying you is a sign of you being weak. Right. Yeah. So they end up fighting and we see a lot, especially this year. And it's in most of our schools down here. When I talk to different teachers, these kids are fighting a lot more now than they were pre-pandemic, you know? So we're just seeing a lot of it. And again, it's like those coping skills. And I'm not saying it's for picking bullying, but it's just, it seems like it's a lot more fighting now and aggression than it was before. Right, right. I think it's just, it's just driving everybody crazy to we're this prepared. pandemic because- We weren't prepared for this. Yeah, we weren't prepared. It's happening no. everywhere. It's happening in the streets of New York. You know, the, this is the region I'm in. So, and it's happening out there. Every night we turn on the news. This, this is just like the wild, wild west in the middle of the street, mm -hmm. you know? So if this is happening with them, it's the same thing that are happening with the kids because that's their territory. They're in school. Yeah. So that's where it's happening, right? Uh, but I am so glad that we're touching on this today. Obviously, we're not going to fix the world's problem today on this call, but we're bringing awareness, okay, to let 
parents and everyone who are listening right now, you know, start to pay attention. We're not going to catch everything that Rowan said, because sometimes the children are afraid of coming forward and talking with us. But when they do, make sure we have to make sure that we are available. And that goes for all of us, me included as parents. We make sure that we are available to them at all times so that they feel approachable. And we're approachable, right? But even sometimes, if you're approachable, they don't want to approach you because, yeah. as Rowan mentioned, you know, my kid wasn't telling me everything that she was experiencing, and I feel like I'm approachable. Really? Yep. <laughs> what you it's trying to say, Reese? What you trying to say? Huh? It's complicated. It is. You can have all. You can do everything right and still miss it. Exactly. Yes. That's exactly. true. Parents. So, feel guilty yeah not feel guilty it's, and it's, that's why we're covering everything you're right Reese. Oh, you're right tyler you did you have any other that you wanted to mention i know i kind of um, railroaded your list that's okay it's, it's okay um another one i wanted to bring up is addiction and addiction is something the thing about addiction that makes it so unique is that there's so many different variants of it so I know for me personally I've come into contact with people who have uh with drug addiction I've seen alcohol addiction and those two prevalent uh, most are like the most prevalent because they're things that instead of holding it internally it's kind of like letting it all out externally and it's a way to um cope with some of the issues that they're going with already and you know linked with those other disorders that we talked about before um it definitely makes like a like a mixture that's not that's definitely not good and um the thing that's um another thing I want to point out about addiction is that many parents will say like um you know oh my kid probably wasn't or isn't a good person because they're turning to these drugs they're turning to these to alcohol and it's kind of it's easy to say that but for me I know personally I've seen that these kids aren't bad kids. These are kids like me. And they're turning to it because of what they're going through at home, what they're going through yes. at school. And, um, you know, it's, it's definitely sad to see. So. Mm. Uh, you know, it's, it just strikes me as I'm listening to Tyler right now. And for everybody who are listening to us um, via the radio station right now, you're not seeing Tyler at the moment, but Tyler is a teenager and he is chatting with us about what teens he is personally engaged with. He sees them there in school together, what they're actually experiencing. So for those of you who might've joined later, and not know, you know, who's speaking or what we're saying. Um, we're talking to a teen who's actually um, aware of all of these issues, not just us talking about you from an, the adult perspective. So this just this hits me really hard that our kids are fighting these battles. You know. Oh. Okay. <laughs> I can't see it. I'm blind. He has to go. Oh my goodness. Yes, thank you. It's okay. You can say that, Ron, because we appreciate you coming on this show so yes. much and giving us your um expert advice, so to speak, on what you're thank, doing, what you're seeing in your practice. I thank you for having me. And I hope that we have been able to impact somebody. Somebody, somebody's yes. listening somewhere has been able to, to see the light 
to be become a little bit more aware and to pay a little bit more attention because if you don't then they end up coming to me and that's exactly what's good where can they find you so currently i'm in new york and um i practice in new york right now um very shortly i'll be setting up my own practice out of florida i'm still in the process of the website is up but i'm still in the process of getting some of those things in the background sorted out so very soon i'll be reachable my website is bybrookbh.com and can you spell that for us again um rowan please your website bybrook is one word b-y-b-r-o-o-k behavioral health so it's bybrookbh.com and i look forward to the opportunity to appear again on the show to highlight the services available in the community where I can be reached and what services I offer, because I think there is a need for mental health providers in our communities. Absolutely, and I'm gonna repeat this. Absolutely, I'm gonna repeat this right now for everyone who has your pen and paper out like myself, I, you know, I, I like to have this. Um, I'm gonna repeat it, I'm also going to post it you know, it will be in our episode, everybody. When we're done here, this episode gets uploaded. The full episode gets uploaded to our YouTube page at Let's Connect. So it is out there. You can go rewind and look at it and listen to every line that Rowan just mentioned. Feel free. So Elaine, it is by go. go ahead. I have to go. Say, okay. I want to say bye to you all. And Tyler, take care, Tyler. I'm proud of you. And keep doing the good stuff you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you, Ron. See you soon. Bye. So, Ron, his website, everybody, was bybrookbehavioralhealth.com. It is B Y B R O O K B H dot com. That's the website. And I've looked at the website and it has a ton of information on there. And if you if you felt that stuff what what Rowan just said resonates with you and you are looking for assistance he is the resident expert in dealing with teens young people mental health issues he's been doing it for many many years please reach out to him okay so you can hear more you can learn more and he can help you you know all the adults and the teens we're all going through it together but the reason we're here is to help provide some resources for everybody. I know, I know um, Erica also has to leave soon. Oh, Erica, yes. So if you just want to quickly tell us about your organization again, how they can reach you, all that good stuff. Okay, well, I just want to thank you guys again for having me on here. Um, Mental health again is really important. So basically, it's Warrior Affiliated Inc. We have a youth program in South Florida more specifically Broward County. And um, we have it from K through 12, but my focus is teens. Um, what was I supposed to say? I'm sorry. Can they find you? <laughs> it's a school night. It's a school night. I'm sorry. That's okay. We're going to have okay. to release Tyler too, because I'm pretty sure he has homework to do, but <laughs> if he hasn't done it already. Yeah, just, um, yeah, just copy your, your organization and what they you know what you okay doing. so it's it's basically a youth group and it's you know just trying to help kids find their purpose and finding whatever resources we can in order to you know help them fulfill whatever they're here for um 
My website is www.warrioraffiliated.org. Um, warrioraffiliated.org. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then I can give my phone number. It's 954-263-3863. And we focus like on the mental health, community service projects, mentoring. I really believe in the village because I know and if I ever came across like I was blaming parents, I apologize. I'm not saying that. I'm saying it takes a village. And I'm just trying to bring the village together through my organization because it's hard being a parent, you know, so that's basically my focus is trying to fill in those gaps so that we can help our kids be successful because they're facing things that we didn't face when we were growing up. It's hard. So that's basically it. So do you have programs that parents can bring the, the, the young folks to, or how does it work real quickly in a nutshell? Well, we don't have like standing meetings. I just plan events. And so a lot of it is like, we just had a mental health talk. So I'm, I just, um, we have a community service thing where if you know anything about SEL, it's social emotional learning. Part of like therapy is like, you can, for example, take care of pets. So we're going to go to a horse place and the kids are going to go and clean the horse stalls and feed the horses and pet them. And then we have, um, it's like stuff like that. So it's like community service but they can also get therapy from doing, because a lot of people think you just have to go talk to a therapist, but there's so right. many ways to take care yeah. of yourself and your mental health. True. So it's a lot of community service. It's a lot of like teen stuff. But I think the main thing is just putting them in front of a lot of positive people and having positive influences. So we do hangouts and meet out, you know, meetups. So it's just planning events, positive yeah. things for our kids. And we believe in that. Take them on a college, like college tour. Yes, One ma'am. Time. Yes. So we're going to do a college tour in the spring. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So that stuff is coming up. If you look at the website, I have some things coming up. I have to work on the calendar, but just pay attention to the event. So you can text me and I can let you know what's coming up. Excellent. Thank you so much. And we're going to post your information as well, Erica, um, in terms of your information for warrioraffiliated.org. We're going to post the link to it as well so people can go check it out and reach out to you and your phone number. So everybody, the information will be on the YouTube page. Don't worry, it will be there if you didn't get to write it down. Erica, we thank you so much for being here. Continue doing what you do because it's not easy to be a teacher. My hat goes off to you. (laughs) I'm a teacher and a parent. So I'm about to go be a mom right now. Yeah, so- Go ahead. (laughs) Thank you so much, you guys. Be safe. God bless. Take care. Bye bye. Thank you. No problem. And so we have Tyler. Yes. And we know I'm not going to keep Tyler too much because, Tyler, I know you have homework. Tyler is. Did you do your homework before you came on? No. Probably not. I didn't. (laughs) Listen, we're talking to a teen here. Are you kidding? Hey, I just thought Tyler was an exceptional one. I did my homework because I know I'm coming. You know you have yeah, to. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. That nah, doesn't nah, work. I didn't, on, to be honest. Wow. I didn't even huh? touch the homework, to be honest. I didn't even touch the homework, didn't to be honest. You didn't even touch your homework. And you probably have some hard subjects because you have honors classes. So you probably have some difficult stuff to do. He's going to be up all night doing homework. Yeah, I probably will. Teens. Reese, you got teens. You know how the, you know the deal. I tell you, boy. <laughs> But Tyler, I want to thank you so much. Honestly, I really appreciate you coming on and chatting with us because you validated 
what we were talking about. It's not just that we're guessing what teens mm -hmm. are going through and from a teacher's perspective, because even though we have the teacher's perspective and we had the clinical perspective from Rowan, we, we needed the we teacher's need perspective. Yeah, it's rough out there. I know it's rough out there. Yeah, I mean, it's rough, but yeah. oh, I, mean, I didn't know that they were going through all of this. It's rough out there. I, I mean, how do you deal with seeing, you know, they always say peer pressure. Yeah. But you see all this craziness. How you keep yourself grounded? Do you um, think Personally? Open? Yeah, how you keep yourself grounded and not fall in that category like like for me, I'd be like, listen, I can't even track her. My mama would whoop my butt. Yeah, but that, that that's definitely that, that helps. That helps. It's definitely an okay. incentive to stay out of trouble. I'm pretty sure but, she's um, listening right now. <laughs> but definitely uh keeping a a, a straight head because I know that um whatever I like dabble into now will definitely come back and haunt me in the future. So I try to I stay away from all that, you know, um especially like like one thing is smoking, which is like a normal thing, I guess now in my school and I have asthma, so that's not gonna add up at all. So I don't even need to like touch it to worry about what's gonna happen in the future because it's not gonna be pretty. But um, definitely just that keeping that same mentality in general that I have one end goal and that's to get out of high school in one piece. So definitely wanna do that and get that done. So far, what yes. grade are you in? Um, I'm a junior. Okay, man. Seventy-five percent done. Okay. Yes. And what is Good your? Job. What are you planning on doing after high school? Um, not sure yet, but I'm getting closer, and it's definitely going to be in technology of some sort. Okay. All right. That's getting closer to that. Well, thank you, Tyler. Go do your homework. We know you have lots to go and do. I so appreciate you coming on and chatting with us. All right. Thank you. No problem. We'll talk All to right. you soon. There it is. Bye. Bye. Oh my goodness. So listen, we gonna have to take a little bit of break here because it, it too much. Oh man. We have to take a 10 minute break, put some music, get some water, get some juice, refresh. Yeah, so we're taking just a little break, a little musical interlude. We usually don't play a whole lot of music on this show we usually just go straight on through because we are a talk program but just for those of you who are listening today we'll just let you know we're not going anywhere we'll be back we still have another hour of show hour. to do well less than an hour i should say yeah so we're we're gonna be here but we're taking a little break reese's gonna play a little bit of music and we're gonna come on back and chat a little bit more before we go okay all right, take it away, woman.
you know, I was, I was wondering, you know, if she could keep on because the force has got a lot of power and it makes me feel like that.
You're listening to the Let's Connect Show with Carolyn Reese, right here on My Turn Radio. to stretch drink yes oh my god i needed that needed yes because we we had a big topic (laughs) that we wanted to that we've been digging into you know but you're right Reese. you know when when you talk about stuff like this you know sometimes you just gotta take a little break yeah it was an intense show today yeah yeah and and we have to do that sometimes you know yes so um, we're like 35 minutes out from, um, yeah. well, next week's show is going to be much lighter. Next week's show is all about the men. Oh, what well. Men want in a woman. Okay. I know one of our amazing guests, you know how I love to say amazing. Amazing. Yes, he wants in on this topic. So we do have a lot of okay. awesome men. Ooh, awesome. That, yes, we do have a lot of awesome men who we're going to call on you. So if and you men actually, are listening, you know who you are. We actually have Brother Anthony coming, represent Arizona, our black That's cowboy. Right. That's right. Cedric. We love Brother on Anthony on the show. And Cedric will be coming back with his. And Cedric. He's coming with his um class actually. He's bringing his class with him. Class with him. That's right. We we you love know, it. It's all about the men for me. So I'm going. It's be the- about the men. It's about you men because as you all men. know, yes. we do not leave out the men on this show. We, we want, want your perspectives. We yes. want to hear from the horse's mouth what it is that these men want. Yes. And Andre will be here. Andre wants in on that conversation. So Andre, you know, you said you want in. You've got to make the time. Yeah. Make sure you're available because you know we love your opinion on this Listen, show. Listen, I'm gonna get my I'm gonna get my wine. Let's <laughs> go. I'm gonna get my popcorn. So everybody listening, make sure you all come on back next week. Yes. Okay. Because we're just it's gonna be about the men and men's perspective next week see we don't always just do heavy 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 topics we do some fun topics too that's not to say men's um perspectives are important of course it is absolutely that's why we want it (laughs) but you know being that we're two women we give our perspective all the time all the time all the time so you want to know from a man's point of view (laughs) we nag all the time you know, I mean, we have too much to talk about. So let's hear what they have to say. So, so we want to hear. We definitely want to hear this. 
But before we move out of this segment, Reese, um, I do want to mention a couple of other things real quickly to really round out this topic. I want to go back to it because some parents may not necessarily know. You know, there's a little tidbit that I found. Um, so here's a question. What percentage do you think of teens that uh, are actually suffering from anxiety? What? Um... How many teens or adolescents do you think are suffering from anxiety? It, I would say, I'm going to say at least 50%. That's a little, little high, but basically is one out of every three. Oh, you said, okay. Yeah, it's kind of like that. One out of it. So if you, three, you see three kids standing, okay, one of them okay. is experiencing anxiety, you I know? Can, I can believe that. Yeah, we may not know or some sort of anxiety disorder. And this is according to the National Institute of Health, um, where they did this study from healthychildren.org. They did this um, study um, to talk about that. And basically the most commonly reported mental illness, and I guess, yes, it is considered a mental illness, everybody, you know, do not get so hung up on the stigma of mental illness that you don't want to help your child. We all have to step into this and lean in, lean into this. The most commonly reported mental illness is anxiety disorders, Reese. Did you know that? The most commonly reported mental illness is anxiety disorders in the United States. And basically the statistics are, it's affecting 40 million adults in the US, um, age 18 and older. And 18.1%, that's 18.1% of the population every year. That's a huge amount for just anxiety, yeah. okay? That's a huge amount. Um, but the kicker with it, which is what I wanna to say to everybody, do not get so disheartened by that because anxiety disorders are highly treatable, okay? I want to say that because earlier, Rowan, our board-certified mental health um, professional here, he had mentioned that BPD, which was the disorder, um, borderline personality disorder, that wasn't really treatable by medication, et cetera. However, anxiety disorder is very much treatable and only 30 let me see here what was the statistic um but okay so yeah here's the rest of the kicker i want to tell you anxiety disorders are very much treatable however the problem is everybody only 36.9 percent of people who are suffering from this actually receive treatment wow yet it is highly treatable but only 36.9, a little bit under 40% are actually receiving treatment. Okay. So please, if you are experiencing anxiety and anxiety disorder, please go ahead and make sure you get treated for this. It is treatable. You don't treat it. It turns into something else. It turns into a lot worse and a lot more, basically everything that we've been talking about all night. So I want to tell you now, Parents, 
family members, even if you're not parents, family members, et cetera, here are some signs, right, for anxiety in teenagers. And if you can relate or if you see any of this in any of your teens, then you know it's time to look a little bit deeper, okay, and lean into your children with this a little bit more. And it goes for all of us. Um, signs of anxiety in your teenager. I was stalling a little bit to give you a chance to get your pen and paper. You might be cooking, you might be having dinner right now or something. You may need just a couple of seconds to grab your pen and paper. So I was giving you a chance to get your pen and paper. Are you all ready? Okay, you ready, you ready, you ready? You ready, Reese? Ready. Okay, here are some of the signs that your teens are experiencing anxiety disorder, right? Recurring fears and worries about routine parts of everyday life. If they're having recurring fears and worries about just routine parts of everyday life, that's a sign of anxiety. Irritability, that's a sign of anxiety. They're constantly irritable. All of a sudden they're irritable, that's a sign, okay? Like the teacher was saying, Erica was saying, she's the teacher, if one day the student, you see the student and you know that the student is usually friendly and calm and this and that, and all of a sudden the student is coming to school and she sees that kid in her class just being irritable all the time, then you've got to look deeper. Um, trouble concentrating, anxiety, sign of anxiety. If your teen has trouble concentrating, sign of anxiety. Extreme self-consciousness or sensitivity to criticism. Tyler was talking about that. Tyler, our amazing teen, was kind of mentioning some of that too. Extreme self-consciousness and sensitivity to criticism, okay? We're not talking about insults here. I mean, everybody is, is sensitive to insults. If you're insulting me, then yeah, I'm sensitive to that stuff. I don't like that. However, we're talking about sensitivity to criticism. Like it could be just mild criticism to tell you, okay, maybe you should do this assignment a little bit better. Or, you know, if you're washing the dishes and it's just, wait a minute, did you even wash this thing? Cause it got the chicken bone and everything still stuck in the plate and you put it in the dish drainer. Okay, wait a minute. And they're irritable about that. That's the sign. Um, withdrawal from social activity, okay? So that's another sign, withdrawal from social activity. If they don't wanna be sociable with other kids or other people or their friends and they're just now all of a sudden trying to stick to themselves, that's the sign. Avoidance of difficult or new situations. If anything new scares them, then that's a sign. Anything new, because kids should be young and want to explore and want to learn things. And if they're trying to avoid all difficult or new situations, that's a sign of anxiety, okay? Then the last one I'm gonna mention is chronic complaints about stomach aches or headaches. I didn't even know that, okay? Chronic complaints about stomach aches or headaches. If you hear anything on this list that your teens are experiencing, that could be a sign. I, okay. You, and you have to know what's fake from what not fake. Every morning, my son, <laughs> it hurts. You know what I'm saying? You have to, you're going to have to know how to differentiate yeah. what's real from what's not real. 
Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I just thought I brought... So it's not just the headache, because also that could be something else. If your kid is having constant headaches, if it's real, then that's an issue in itself. That. You know, but if they're faking it, you got to watch out for that. As a parent, you know, yes. you know when your kid Every is day the belly hurts. Okay, when you go to school, <laughs> once you die, once you not die... If you, that's the only time y'all need to call me when you're dying on the floor. Yeah. By the time you get home, I was cool. It was good. Ma. It was good. Yeah. So what happened to the headaches and all that stuff that disappeared, right? Yeah. So some of those are signs of anxiety because they're using it as a form of avoidance, yeah. you know, to avoid certain situations. Now, um, of course, causes of teen stress. What are some of the causes for teen stress? We pretty much know what it is. It's school, especially homework. Yes. Okay. It says it's school, especially homework, exams, pressure to do well, okay, in your exams, relationship with friends. Those are the causes of teenage stress, um, boyfriends and girlfriends. Um, life changes like leaving school, getting into university, getting a job, you know, too many things that they have to do, feeling unprepared or overwhelmed by certain tasks. Those are causes of anxiety as well, okay? And stress. Those are the main causes for teenagers. Um, and of course, what we also talked about, we cannot overlook this is... Um, some of the molestation and stuff that Ruan talked about earlier. Okay. Big thing right there. It is very, very big. It's a big problem. It's a big issue. And like he said, sometimes, you know, you have to check physically check your children because they may be hiding certain physical signs of trauma. Okay. And you want to pay attention to those. Um, so guess what, Reese? What's the gender? Between male and female, which gender, because as far as, you know, which gender do you feel is more likely to be depressed? Woman. Why do you say that? Because we're very emotional. Yes. I, I, and you're right. Very emotional. Yeah. And, and, and then men, they're taught not to show their feelings. Not to show their emotions. Because if they show their emotions, they're a wuss. And it means they're weak. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, so they suppress it. That's why I can... But that's how it manifests itself in violence. Right. But that's why I can respect a man that is not afraid to show who he is. Yeah. Why he cry. Yeah. I, I can respect a man that does that. And maybe if men did that more, half of the crap that's going on would not happen. Yeah. So it is true. Women are more, are nearly twice as likely as men to be diagnosed with depression. That is interesting. Twice as likely to be diagnosed with depression. And like you said, it's because we're, women are more emotional and we show their, the emotions. Um, however, depression can occur at any age. I just wanted to say that we were talking about teens today, but even for the adults out there who are listening, it can occur at any age, okay? Um, just, just a couple of gems that I wanted to drop on you all. Um, 
since our experts our expert but search seek um if your kids are experiencing any of these symptoms etc and you feel like your children need help seek the help of a psychologist um, in case you're wondering, do you need a psychiatrist, psychologist, neuropsychologist, this and that, all the different categories, seek the help of a psychologist, okay, for your teens and, and young ones, okay, and it's not too early for them to actually be experiencing these feelings and um, anxiety and depression, because it starts very early. And a lot of times, oftentimes, it goes unnoticed because we think, oh, they're just kids, they're just acting out. So if you have a six-year-old and you think, oh, they're just acting up or they're just being bad, you may not realize that this is how early it has begun and we as adults are not addressing it, you know, or overlooking it, so. You want to pay attention to your child and give them that outlet to express themselves, okay? Um, and since we were talking about teens and high school age uh, this evening, 18.8% of high school students, okay, are, what's the percentage of them with mental health? 18.8%. That's a big number of high school students are experiencing this. And 50% of all lifetime mental illness begins by age 14. By the time you reach age 14, 50% of the folks with mental illness have experienced it by the time they reach age 14. So this is something, as I was saying, it's starting early. It didn't start when you're like 40 years old and this and that, you know, you think that, oh, oh you know, maybe now when I reach 50, you know, that's when my depression sets in because I'm getting old or something. Nah, it started way earlier than that. And that's why it needed to be addressed way earlier. Yeah. And basically 75, here's a bigger number to 75% of those who experience the mental illness, they experience the symptoms by the time they get to age 24. So 75% of those who have it by the time they reach 24, they, yeah, they're already in the throes of it. That's a big number, Reese, 75%. Okay. So make sure that your children have an outlet try to address this early take a look like we said we're not attacking parents because a lot of times the children are not forthcoming also they don't talk about what's really happening you know if they're being bullied they don't always talk about that you know sometimes it's the shame they don't you know they feel ashamed they internalize these issues they take it on themselves and they blame themselves for what they're experiencing so as parents we don't always know but we just got to watch them very, very carefully. And it's not a perfect road. None of us are perfect, including myself. I've right. missed things before. Listen, I told you, I went through it with, with Dimitri. Yeah. You know, and it was an eye-opening experience. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, it could have been worse than that. Yeah. You have to listen. You have to look at the signs. And exactly. Have, I, even if you have more than one kid, I mean, yes, it's, you know, one of the things that he told the, the, the counselor was that we don't spend time together one-on-one. -on -one. Mm. Like, wow. And I always, but I'm like, you're always sleeping. You're always like, 
that was his way of telling me. So guess what? We started hanging out, doing stuff together, just me and him. You know, so we have to be in tune with our kids. We're not perfect parents. Yeah, no. nobody is perfect. No one. Yeah. And we just, we have to listen. We have to pay attention to the signs. And I'm speaking even for myself as a parent, we all have to, you know, and none of us have perfect kids, you know, and I'm, I'm not attacking anybody. When I say that, I'm not accusing anybody. If you feel that you're perfect, this is how you feel. However, I'm saying to you, none of us are perfect. And all of us have children who are experiencing something because the world today is not perfect and they're living in it and they have to navigate their way through this imperfect world that we're in. So we just have to wake up and realize that they're dealing with this. When I heard Tyler talk about some of the stuff that he's seeing in school, I was like, what? This is some heavy stuff. And how they maintain that. That's why I asked him how you have people that's weak. Yeah. You know, just like that, but yeah. And not everybody has that strong pillar of strength from their parents and stuff who can help them. You know, Tyler has amazing parents, so he can also lean on them, you know, but not everyone has that, you know, and even him with his strong parenting or whatever, he's not perfect either. Nobody is perfect. He goes through stuff too. They all have moments of weakness and they go through their moments, say, you know, when they're stressing and they're anxious about different things, like it said here exams, um, relationships, friendships in school, this and that, you know, the stresses. And Reese, you know, we have Caribbean parents. A lot of people with Caribbean parents is the expectation (laughs) of your parents that you better be a doctor or a lawyer and nothing else will suffice. They don't care what era it is. It could be today, last Yes, you better be a doctor or a lawyer, and that's it. There are no other options for you. (laughs) You know, so it's the expectations that sometimes the kids have to live up to. And sometimes I have to be very careful with my kid too, because I'm, you know, sometimes she'll come to me and she'll say, oh, look at my grade. I got this. And then I'm catching myself and I'm going, that's great, baby ah, maybe next time we can work on getting it. And then I have to catch myself like, wait a minute. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> what is that really doing to her psyche? You know? Mm-hmm. So we have to be very, very careful. And it's not like we're bad parents. We just have to learn and focus and pay attention to how we as parents could actually be harming them, you know, unknowingly thinking that we're pouring love into them, but you know, that's not how they, they see it or yeah. So one of the last things I want to mention here on this topic before we go as well, cause I know everybody's tired, but I want, I always like to end it by giving you a little bit of tips. Okay. Always like to end it by giving some tips. So you can't say, okay, I just throw all the bad stuff at you. So maybe our teens can try some relaxation techniques. What do you think about that, Reese? That sounds good. Right? So some relaxation techniques. Again, I really like this site that I found on Instagram. Everybody is from Paradigm Treatment. They actually treat and I'm plugging them and they don't even know me. They didn't pay me for this. (laughs) 
but I am crediting them because I don't want to steal their credit. You know, I don't want to steal their ideas. So it's paradigm treatment, P-A-R-A, D is in David, I-G-M, paradigm treatment. Um, you can find them on Instagram. Um, they mentioned some relaxation techniques for teens. And the reason I'm mentioning them also is because they saw that we were doing the episode today, Reese, and they commented and they liked, you know, our posts and stuff when we were marketing to tell everybody that we're doing the show. So I am paying it back to say, I really like your stuff, Paradigm. And maybe we can get you on the show uh, uh, with us as well next time. Um, progressive muscle relaxation. That's a technique for relaxation for teens. Try that progressive muscle relaxation. But what that really is, is you tense up a group of muscles as you breathe in, and then you relax those muscles as you breathe out. So you tense it up when you breathe in, relax it when you breathe out. Tense it up when you breathe in, relax it when you breathe out. Okay, I'm a literal person. I'm visual. I like to see stuff. So I showed it to you guys. For those of you who are listening on the radio, <laughs> check out the YouTube and you see me tensing up and relaxing. <laughs> what parent over there doing? What am I doing? I'm actually showing you all how to do it. Listen, no shame in my game, okay? I'm going to show it to you. You tense up and you relax when you breathe out. <laughs> okay. Another technique for relaxation for your teens is meditation. And basically when you're meditating, you can focus on one sound or you can watch a candlelight flickering. That's meditation. You watch the candlelight flickering. It's very calming. Or you can listen to the sound of waves. I know I'm into like water, excuse me, and stuff like that. So for me, listening to water or just some relaxing sounds, that actually does wonders for your mind and it relaxes your body. Before you know it, it takes you to that place and it makes you relax. And that is considered meditation um, as well as other forms, whatever one you choose, but that's a form of relaxation. Um, the other one is guided imagery. So basically what this is, picture yourself on a beach or somewhere nice, you know, somewhere pleasant and quiet, just to use that to calm your thoughts. And you can either, if you don't just want to picture yourself, because some people, the mental imaging, you might have too much busyness going on in your mind and your brain, and you can't really conjure up those pictures in your brain, you know, so you might need a voice. You might need to listen to someone else talking, you know, guiding you in your mind's eye. So someone like me, who's a voiceover artist, you might want to come and check out some of my calming, soothing sounds where I calm you when I talk about, you know, picture yourself on a beautiful island. Picture the palm trees swaying in the breeze. And that's relaxing for you. So, you snoring? huh? You're snoring. You're snoring. <laughs> That's right. Because I am a voiceover artist, everybody. I'm just going to plug that in right there. 
So someone like me, you listen to somebody's voice to help you with that imagery and it relaxes you as well. Um, deep breathing, we all know what that is. Slowly, deeply, breathe in, breathe out. You just sit down calmly, find a few minutes somewhere to sit and breathe. But the trick is breathe into your belly, Reese, not into your chest. You know, so your chest shouldn't just be going. <sighs> nope, you're breathing into your belly. Okay, and it's called diaphragmatic, diaphragmatic breathing. So you're using your diaphragm, okay, to breathe into your belly and out. And before you know it, I'm going to start practicing that one because it's relaxing. Okay, so those are some breathing techniques that can actually help to relax your teens. I hope you all have found this helpful today because that's what we're here for. That's what we want to do. You know, we spend time to do research for you and to get you the proper experts to come on here and talk about it so that you know that you've been given something substantial. We hope you took some notes. We hope you liked what you heard. And we hope you're going to come on back and be with us next week. Okay. Okay. And yes, it's been a week. As I said, and I really enjoyed today's show. And um, yeah. Yeah. There's so guess what? What? I'm, I'm not going to say that yet. I was going to say something else. <laughs> I was going to say something else. But what I was going to say is, I'll say that after. But what I was going to say is, would you believe over the weekend I was eating and I broke my front tooth? Yes, I, I broke my tooth, girl. And I know right now it doesn't show because I went to the dentist this morning and the amazing dentists, they helped me out and they fixed it for me and um, temporarily and then I'll get the permanent fix. But it was like, wait a minute, where is half of my tooth wow. gone? What were you eating? I knew you were going to say that. You know Guess what? what I was eating? What? I was eating a piece of chicken. Tearing <laughs> it up. That's what my girlfriend said. She's like, "You must have been tearing up that chicken." <laughs> that poor chicken didn't stand a chance. So yeah, yeah, I was eating some chicken, girl. I don't even <laughs> want to see. <laughs> and yep, my tooth was like gone yeah so you know that was my weekend and then i have i was talking with like a lisp all weekend long because i had a half a tooth you know very weird crazy feeling yeah so that was my weekend but anyways another thing is reese guess what we had another awesome episode, didn't we? Yeah, we did. That's right. You know we did. Yes, honey child, we did. We okay. had another awesome episode. And everybody, if you did not get a chance, if you're listening on the radio, you didn't get a chance to see us, we will be uploading the video of this episode to our YouTube page 
and we will, right, Reese? Say right, say yes, yes. We will be uploading it to our podcast platforms as well. I know you, you can't, it's not the video there, but it's on Spotify, it's on Anchor, it's on Google Podcasts, this, that, various, you know, it's, we have a, the, the platforms listed on our page and we will give you the link to our podcast. So we have a lot of listeners who request to listen to the podcast because they're not able to see the videos because they're working and this and that. And they don't want their bosses or some someone, or if they're driving in the car and they can't really watch the videos and, and check out our amazing tooth, toothed smile, not my toothless smile now. <laughs> and you can't check out our wonderful smiles and stuff. Um, and you just want to listen. You can listen to it on our podcast. We'll put the links for you there. But feel free when you get a chance, go to YouTube and check it out. Check out our episodes on YouTube, everybody. Okay. And we're going to post all the links on our Facebook page. Unfortunately, we weren't live on our Facebook today. We're going to post a link on our IG page, on our YouTube page. Okay. But we love you, everybody. And again, this is the show called Let's Connect, the show where you find more compassion, more empathy and less judgment can you say it again Reese? more compassion more empathy and less, and less judgment. judgment that's right everybody we love you we thank you for being with us and we will see you all next monday same time 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on MyTurnRadio.com or live on our Facebook, hopefully.
All righty. All righty.